Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Clark. For the last decade, I've had the privilege of learning from impactful leaders across the globe through my service in the Peace Corps and nonprofits. Their leadership has inspired me to highlight those among us who are truly impacting our world so that we may learn from them and be more impactful together. Yes, leadership can be learned. The guests on our show are providing direction, inspiration, and leading the way in their business and community through service. Are you ready to have an impact? Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. But yeah, no, thank you for showing up today. I'm kind of excited to dig. I'm sure I'm going to, this is more of like a class for me at this point. <laughs> doubtful, doubtful. But I, I wasn't sure. Could you just start off briefly, just kind of giving a brief, a brief background of just who you are, what you do, and then kind of got where you got there in the short term span. Okay. So the, who I am, where, how I got here <laughs> and kind of the, I'll give you the, the, see, I'll, I'll be Gen X real quick and say, I'll give you the cliffs notes, not the norms notes. So we, we <laughs> won't even go into that, but the, <clears throat> so Dr. David Arrington, I am the COO of Arrington coaching and Arrington training. And what we do is we prepare leaders for what's now and what's next through coaching, speaking, and training. And how did I get here? The answer is it was not a straight line. I started off with a BA, or I think it was a BS in computer science or computer information systems. I also, then I went into uh, corporate America and I worked at Schlumberger and Exxon as a network engineer and eventually a worldwide recruiting manager. Then I left that to go back to school full time. Then from there, I pastored for about 12 years. And from there, I started my own business. Kind of that's when I started doing my doctorate toward the end of that. And that's when I got into and, and created Arrington Coaching. And since then, I've created like 20 leadership courses. At this point, I've coached leaders and worked with organizations and 13 to 15 different industries. I, uh, you know, Arrington coaching, growing all that good stuff, but yeah, you can't, there's some moments in my life. Cause I had this conversation the other day with someone yeah. else that I can <laughs> draw a straight line from that moment to where I am, but the overall approach to my career has been in no way a straight line. Right. So uh, yeah, it's, it's been a very windy road, but I think that windy road is where you get the texture, where you get understanding, you get wisdom, you get clarity and insight mm -hmm. that if it was a straight line, I wouldn't have had. Now, some people have straight line experiences and they probably do really well. It's just not been my experience. I think everyone has to go through that zigzag path. Yeah. I think when we were talking how... When I was in Nicaragua, I mean, you can only imagine the zigzags Yep, I got there. And then I had to come back to the U.S. And then I went back to the Amazon and then COVID shot me back here. And nice. then, you know, so everyone kind of has to go through those zigzags, especially since COVID. But yep. what would you say when someone is going through those zigzags and you feel like you're climbing, you're making progress, you're in that straight line yeah. or climbing that mountain. And then you hit that peak, like you hit that, that valley mm -hmm. and yeah, this is for the people more so probably like me a couple of years ago mm -hmm. where I wasn't as for the first time hearing these coaching things like you don't know where to I didn't know how to get myself out of that valley at first like how do you motivate yourself like how when you have those zigzags how do you 
like but for the first time for the people that aren't familiar with like the buzzwords and like yeah it's a mindset coaching how do you kind of get that ball rolling to go back up or back on the straight line so I'll, i can't tell you what would work for everybody but i can tell you what worked for me mm-hmm. so <clears throat> when i get knocked down or things happen it takes a minute and i give myself a minute to be upset about it firstly that's a you know the idea that you know you just brush everything off some things you brush off other things hit you and they stick with you for a minute mm-hmm. i would just say give an expiration date to that struggle right you're going to be here for a week or two okay cool the end of the week get up you're done with it um but what really kept me going when things didn't weren't going the way i wanted was i had a goal in front of me so all i did was kept iterating the process i kept figuring out okay what's my next move what's the next thing i can do okay that didn't work what's the next thing i can do i'm constantly playing chess with myself because i understood that my life was in my control and if I didn't control it, and if I wasn't trying to go somewhere, I would end up exactly nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an old saying that I usually botch up, but I'll give it to you like this. Even a dead fish can swim downstream, right? So I didn't want to just kind of go along. I kept setting different goals for myself. And I mean, I was setting some goals I still haven't hit, right? But, and those were goals from years ago, but I'm still moving toward them. I'm still, and let me be really clear. I'm a lot closer to them now than I was then. It's not like I'm still in the same spot, but just like the zigzaggy career path, I'm getting to that goal in different ways than I could have anticipated four years ago. And what I didn't know then, because I didn't know it, I could never have hit that goal, at least the way I was trying to, right? So it's, it's a process for me. I'm very goal oriented. So I will just make sure I've got something I'm moving toward. And if I can't hit the goal or what I tried last time didn't work, I'm going to keep iterating. I'm going to keep working just like in the Martian, right? He was like, you know, you knocked, you solve one problem, then you got to solve another problem. Then you solve it. And then hopefully at the end of it, you get to go home, right? So that's kind of the way I approach pretty much everything. And then how do you set those goals though, too? Because that's another thing. It's like, personally, for me, when we were starting the agency, I was like, okay, once we become profitable, yeah, my issues, like I, I can relax. Mm-hmm. And then there's the next set of it, next set of problems or not problems, but like goals and that. Mm-hmm. And then my goals I found were always just, I'm sure it's what happens when people say, when you get the money, you could become a millionaire. Mm-hmm. You still have that emptiness in you mm-hmm. because you don't have like the right goals to drive you forward. And whenever you hit them, they're just empty goals and you have to keep chasing, keep chasing the, like the rabbit with the stick. Yeah. Um, so, and I think it's a greyhound with the stick. Uh, Cause I think there's a dog at carrot and <laughs> stick. I was like, which one is he talking about? I got to go back and look for that one. This episode um, will be called botching. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like metaphors and analogies. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're destroying all the analogies and all the metaphors that you're familiar with. We're, we're, we're summarily destroying them here, but the, so very humble brag, very, you know, shame, not shameless plug, but and not shameful plug, but a plug is I actually wrote a course and it's on our site, training.arringtoncoaching.com. It's called goal sprint for that same reason. Every one of my clients I put through this because it's important for us to have more goals than just business money goals. And if you talk to most people, that's all they have. They just have, and for me back then, that was what was pushing me. 
Now, granted, there were other things, like I said, I wanted to be able to take my family on this kind of vacation. Mm -hmm. I want to do a world cruise. I want to do all this clearly before COVID, right? You know, I wanted to do all these big things and do all this other stuff. And those kept me going as well. So yeah. one of the things I did with those goals was I made sure they were in different areas of my life, but I also rewrote those goals every single day for memory. And what I did when I was, what I was fundamentally doing was I was creating, I was changing and rewriting my internal operating system. So I was driving what I wanted into my subconscious so that I would start making connections that my, I wouldn't normally see. And that's what I'm, it, and it kept working. It kept working. It kept working. And like a snowball, you don't all of it, you don't always see the start of it. It's just, you know, it's just what you're doing. You're just going through, you're, you're pushing through, you're grinding, you're getting everything done. But, you know, seven, eight, 10 months later, you start seeing you got a snowball here. And that's another part. It takes time, right? Just everybody wants to be a millionaire, but why do you want to be a millionaire? What does that even mean? Is that even the right goal, right? You may... You may get there and like you said, be hollow and empty and, and looking for something else because you didn't want the money. You wanted what the money provided you. So then the problem is you set your goal on the money without remembering what you were, the lifestyle you were trying to create and the yeah. people you were trying to provide for. And that becomes the problem because you're, you're here's another one. I think I'll get this one right. You, you'll spend <laughs> all this time building a ladder and then climbing up only to find out that it was against the wrong wall the whole time, right? And that's what mm. a lot of people end up doing. They get to the top and they're like, okay, this is nowhere where I want to be. So that's why you need to, whether you take a look at the course or not, you need to think about your life in more than one or two dimensions. I think I use nine different dimensions in that one um, for who we are, because we're not just business people, right? We're actually yeah, yeah. human beings. We have socialized, we have financial plans. We have all these other goals. Um, and I think a problem with a lot of people, and I've seen this so often when people, I try to put people through the course, they flame out. And this is, these are executives. These are successful people. A lot of times they don't want to go through the course because partially they don't want to put down on paper something they may not hit. Right. And we all have this fear of a goal that we can't attain. Yeah. But what's the worst thing? Is it is it worse trying and not succeeding or just not trying? You still end up at the exact same spot. But if you try, you're at least taking a step forward. Hmm. So I've seen this at, at literally all organizational levels. We struggle with holding ourselves accountable because we we've told ourselves enough lies at this point. We've had enough New Year's resolutions to know <laughs> we cannot be trusted with big goals. But that's, that's one of the things, just putting it down, getting it out there, getting into the world is the first big step. And then once you get something out into the world, you course correct and you'll figure out my goals from when I first started writing them to, uh, cause I did that process for about a year. Um, wow. and by about a year, I mean like 12, about 12 months. Uh, and I only think I missed one day by the end of it. My goals were different. They weren't yeah. the same goals. Because I had grown, I had kind of refined them every day and I was thinking about them a lot more. Another thing is with goals, we, we say it around January and then we're done with it by February and then we go back to business as usual. Yeah. And those aren't even goals. Those are New Year's resolutions, which are fundamentally designed to hand, uh, kneecap our belief in ourselves. But we're going way down the, the goals rabbit hole. I'm not sure if you want to go all the way down there. Oh, I could go anywhere. Because I think <laughs> we kind of talked about though, like talking about business. Yeah, 
I think you mentioned like when you help someone create a mission statement, mm-hmm. it's, I th- if you come up with a really good mission statement, I think it would be really useful for the CEO, the leader to do that exact practice, like m- memorize it, say it every day, mm-hmm. make sure like it actually stays there. So like one of the questions I had is when you have an organization, it starts growing, you have 10 people, then it gets yeah. to 50, then a hundred, mm-hmm. and then it has a tendency to become more of an institution. Mm-hmm. How do you keep it from dampening and sucking like the inspiration out of there? Like, how do you keep that from happening as it grows? That mission had so much flair and so much flavor, like spark and love and, you know, just energy as it gets bigger, it's going to go away. Like, how do you keep that? How do you keep that entrepreneur? As a leader, like as a leader, startup mindset. Yeah. Is that what you're going for? I don't know. I, I, I haven't been there yet. I just, I've seen cool. it happen and I've yeah. worked in organizations where I walked in and I knew it was already damped. Like I knew it was, the spark yeah. was gone. It was just, you know, business. It was just, but I hope as we start growing and I can see the trajectory happening quickly. I'm like, how do I avoid that? How, I think how do you keep that, that inspiration, that spark there with people? Two things jump to mind very quickly. One is not only do you have a solid mission and not only do you say it to yourself, you bring it up all the time. That's how you keep that mission alive in the organization because you're bringing it up. It's coming up in conversations. It's in your email footer. It's in your one-on-ones. You're asking people, you're tying everything you're doing back to that mission. And second, you stay open to new ideas. We never get to the point where this is how we do it, right? When you get to that status quo point and and where process overrides um ingenuity that's when you get to you get to that stagnant area and we're always in tension with that because process is necessary but ingenuity is also necessary and how do you keep the one without quenching the other so that's what like i had this conversation with an organization did a workshop for just yesterday and we were talking about the the value of creating processes that give your people the ability to fail in a safe way and to learn from those failures so that not only can they grow but the organization can grow and innovate and change as the needs of their industry and the needs of their clients grow and change and without that i almost want to say childlike inquisitiveness once you get to the point where you just know everything you've been there and done that already you don't bring as much value because you're shut you have answers you no longer have questions and so what i'm saying is keep that childlike inquisitiveness is that is it inquisitiveness i want to there's another way that's in the back of my head it's like tickling in the back (laughs) of my head it's because i it's stuck with ingenuity and i want to but anyway you know but just keep that childlike inquisitiveness and what will happen is it will rub off and people will see that we need to keep asking questions we need to stay focused on end results and outcomes versus being just stewards of the process that was and you know keeping things the way they were because again it's that tension between stability and what's next yeah and and i think people always get so caught up on just trying to keep their the company and the organization like so aligned with their core values it's like you definitely have to keep things aligned Mm -hmm. but again zigzag like Mm -hmm. absolutely everything's of course correct we just like to and some people like to tell you that it's not 
and maybe it wasn't for them, but for the majority of people I've interacted with and coached and worked with and just had as friends, it's never been as simple as that. And then so just by the way, it's childlike curiosity. Curiosity. Thank you. I think inquisitiveness <laughs> is the same word. I, like, it thank works. you. Curiosity. That's what I was hearing. The icity, the osity at the end of it. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Now we're back on track. This really should be butchering familiar <laughs> metaphors. That will be the title. I'm, I'm very tempted to make that the title of this. <laughs> um, but I also don't want to butcher this entire episode because it's a good one so far. Um, so how do you, how would, how do you, I'm trying to think of how to word this too, because I don't want to butcher everything, butcher everything. When you're working with leaders and they're talking about their core values, their missions, mm -hmm. like, how do you guide them on how to communicate that with everyone else? Like they can repeat that all day yeah. themselves too and make sure that's there. But if you have four or five managers and then they each have a good amount of people under them, even if you're for sales, marketing, creative account, like how do you communicate those? Like are there, have you ever done that part too? Like how would you yeah. recommend them to? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Because this is all new. Because again, like I haven't got into, I've worked in other cultures, but it's always been smaller. So I'm curious, like part of the reason why we started this podcast is as we start growing, like mm -hmm. I named it the Impactful Leaders because I want to help promote like nonprofit and people in that sense here. But then I, I also got to speak to people like you, like David, our, Dr. David, and then I can pull that information on how do you become an impactful leader? Sure. So going to your question, yeah. the way you would do that is not necessarily, you would share what's important to you, but again, curiosity, what's important to that person? Because your core values are important to you, but pretty much nobody else. But my core values are important to me. So it's the process of leading people through a an exercise to find out what their core values are. And what that will help them do is align their core values with the organization's core values, right? Mm -hmm. So when there's a misalignment, that's when people feel like they're square pegs in round holes, right? That's yeah, yeah. one reason, right? There's misalignment, there's a Peter principle, there's a lot of things that, you know, just organizational culture. But to keep it really simple, if my core values aren't in line with what the company's trying to do and the way the company is being run, then I'm going to feel out of like a fish out of water. So what you want to do as a leader is talk to them about what's important to them and start to find the common points and start to clarify what's important to the organization. Because as a leader of the organization, you and that team get to write the core values and make the organization from just a, a, a group of folks trying to get things done to here's who we are, here's where, here's, here's the difference we make, here's why we're important, here's why you choose us. So those are all the things you have to work through, but it's not something that leaders bring in a vacuum. You bring yours, mm -hmm. but you can't assume everyone's core values are your core values. Can't assume that everyone sees the world the way you do because spoiler alert, they don't. They really, really don't. And that's a good thing because that's we go back to that innovation. We go back to that the idea that the diversity of thinking experience, diversity of background, diversity of in every one of the 17 dimensions is a great thing to have because it makes the organization stronger and more resilient 
and more able to identify new and innovative solutions. Hmm. So when it comes to like that communication, when you're talking to those leaders, how often do you think you should do that with them? Well, it depends on what you mean. The size, and, yeah, and what you need. And... Well, it depends. Like you should have your standing meetings to keep in, in touch with people. And those could be every week or every couple of weeks. And then you may have your team meetings, which could be every week or every couple of weeks, even to every month where it's a whole team meeting. Or you could have, uh, so asking how we keep in touch when it comes to core values, that could be something that's dealt with at the retreat every core, right? So that's why I was like, yeah, there's a lot of times, a lot of touch points, but you can bring up elements of those core values throughout all yeah, of those conversations. Yeah. One, I did, I worked with a company, uh, oh, probably 100, 200 employees to help the leader not only write the mission statement, I'll be very clear, she was not interested in writing a mission statement. But once <laughs> we went through the process, and I say not interested, she knew she needed it because it became clear that her expectation of her second in command was that they were hiring people based on the mission state or based on the core values. What was clear that they didn't have any and their mission statement was kind of, uh, it was it was just not very clear, right? Yeah. It, was, it was unclear. And so her second in command kept hiring people that she was like, why would you even interview this person? This person doesn't fit anything. So that's what made it very clear for her that there was this big disconnect between her and her second in command. So then mm -hmm. we started working on it. And once we clarified what the mission, the vision, where the company was going and what they valued, it became so much easier to hire the right people. And that's how you instill that culture and that yeah. dimension and everything there, because I'm I'm assuming it's going to be the same what you just said, You those touch points happen. Mm -hmm. And if you get them from the day one, like, you know, or even just even before that, even before they even join, like you're mentioning right now and during the hiring process. Mm hmm it should be there because then people know what they're hiring into. So you don't make expensive mm. mistakes because hiring the wrong person is a, an expensive mistake that could take over a year to yeah. rectify. Cause it's going to take you a while to figure out that the wrong person, then you're going to try to help them. You're going to work through as you should, because you made the mistake in hiring them. And then finally, if nothing works, then now you've got to let that person go and then go right back into the hiring process to replace them and do the whole thing again and that's that's a year gone that you don't get back. And it's not even a year. You're messing up the flow of everything else. Like if you if everyone is aligned with that culture, that mission, mm -hmm. you include the other person. If everyone's talking about the color blue or whatever, and all of a sudden you insert red in there, it's been tainted a little bit. It's going to take a while for that to kind of get out until you hire that new person. So, I mean, it's a... Yeah, that's a really bad mistake. I've worked in too many places before where you can tell that they should have just hired quickly, realized it was the wrong choice, and then fired at least quickly. Because the mm -hmm. worst is when they keep them keep them around for a while. Yeah, yeah, it gets worse because then they actively disengage. They may become more toxic. They a lot can happen when there's a misalignment, and mm -hmm. oftentimes, well, I won't say oftentimes. I'll say it's fifty fifty if they'll just decide that they're going to go somewhere else. And I've seen that happen. Uh, and I've also seen it happen where the organization had to part ways with the person because it just was never going to work out. And they, they'd they exhausted everything they could to make sure this person could succeed there. And they just chose this wasn't going to be a place they could succeed. 
I'm trying to store this. I'm trying to like process it because I'm sure tonight I'm going to be like running through this entire episode. I'm going to have to rewatch it. <laughs> I have a bit of a high, like a, a higher level question. What do you think are some of the most important decisions that one can make as a leader for their organization or their company or nonprofit? Wow, that's a huge question. It's a big one. because Without have- context, right? So <laughs> it was like, it's like, what is it? I mean, I don't know. That, that, life? That's like a, that's like where I was in one uh, podcast interview and the question was so broad. I was like, so you mean you want me to solve racism then? Okay. Oh, okay. Let's give me five minutes. I, I got this. Right. Um. So I said, so what are the biggest, <laughs> I guess like, in a, I guess let's make this a little bit more specific when a company yeah. is growing. Yes. Like ourselves. Yes. Growing. Um, I have some entrepreneurial, I've done leadership, I've done like other things, but not in the sense of like specifically in business. Mm -hmm. Um, we're about to possibly hire some of our, like our first people Mm -hmm. or like additional people. Um, what are some of the most important decisions that I should be aware of, uh, aware of thinking about just making sure it's back there? I mean, you mentioned a mission. You mentioned some other things to just then the goals that keep repeating to myself, but, Mm -hmm. and someone in my situation where you're growing and it's kind of happened quick, you know, and maybe it's your first time kind of being in this situation. I'm not a serial entrepreneur. What are some decisions that I should be aware? I should be careful of before I make or. Okay. So things I should be aware of. I got a better idea of your question now. So things you want to make sure you choose and don't just allow to happen. One is your organizational culture. Everything you do from the minute that person is hired, how you talk to them, how you onboard them, all that's culture. So you want to instill in the culture early on, you want to put your impress on that culture. So it's not just a, it just not just happenstance, right? You want this organization to reflect your values for how you treat people. Because the further, the larger the organization gets, the further away you get, there has to be some guardrail for them to say, okay, what would Andrew do? Mm. Right? So you want that to be there. Um, and I think that goes hand in hand with the vision, the mission, all that good stuff. The other other question or other decision I would make is your strategy. Early on, you're trying to, <laughs> you're trying to get everybody to be a client and you're trying to do a, it's a buckshot approach. And I get it. Yeah. Everybody does that. Um, I would try to get strategic sooner because the sooner you can clarify who you are, what you do and how you help and how that's different. And these are some of the toughest questions I've ever had to answer. And it took years to clarify them, right? Because you look around at all the people that do what you do and how they do it and all this other good stuff. It's really tough to identify differentiators, but they're there. You just have to get clear enough on what you do so that you can say why they're there. I had someone ask me this in, um, I was talking to like a $50 billion company. They asked me, hey, David, what is it you do? I was very easy. Like when I started up, I said, hi, um, Arrington Coaching prepares leaders for what's now and what's next through coaching, speaking, and training. And I say, coaching is executive leadership team and retreats. I say, um, training, I'm sorry, speaking is keynotes and workshops and training is hybrid and, and online, right? I can explain it in less than 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. But that happens now because of the last five to six years, I've been honing that, right? So everybody's got to come 
to the point where they understand what they do. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in meetings now with large organizations and smaller organizations. I tell them what I do and I get it out so quickly and so succinctly that they're like, oh, you really do know what you do. So understand yeah. what you are and that strategy. A big part, most people don't realize that strategy isn't just strategy. I said strategy. I hate it when I do that. But strategy isn't just the things that you're going to do. It's also clarifying the things you're not going to do. So you can't be everything to everyone because that is a prescription for rapid failure. Yeah, I'm, right? I'm, I'm slowly learning that lesson. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you know what your strategy is, who you're going for, who your clients are, all that good stuff. And the last thing I would say is invest in yourself because one of the best things I did was I hired a coach who helped me clarify what I do. And that was in 2020. And the last two years, our business has grown exponentially. So understanding your limitations and getting someone to hold you accountable, getting someone, I'll be honest, I couldn't afford a coach. I couldn't afford me when I first started, right? Yeah, so yeah. Um, I'm glad I had me, but I had my limitations because I still had my own head trash. So there's that. But the point is, I had someone who was able, and then later on when I had the, the finances, I hired someone else who came in, not only held me accountable, but gave me the direction I needed to grow the business. And those, I still lean on those lessons today, right? And I, I'm a coach, but I keep a coach. I always have a coach because I need different people to say different things and keep me focused because like just this week, things go crazy and you still got to focus on the big picture goals. But you can't let doing the work be a good uh -huh. excuse for not moving toward the goals. Yeah, I'm in the process of trying to work with one. We've done, I've done like a lot of like mindset coaching with some people mm -hmm. and that was a complete mind changer. Just like being able to, after you have a, I think one of the biggest ones was no matter if it's a good call, good sale, like something good came in or if even if it's horrible, like that sale didn't go through Mm -hmm. some sort of issue step away always like re decompress mm -hmm. reset the system and then move on so that way <laughs> you're not carrying that baggage of whatever you had like just those like minor things were just again i think we've talked about this a little bit where coaching is a little bit behind therapy in a way where therapy a couple years ago was had lots of like stigma and negative connotations mm -hmm. and now it's slowly moving and i see coaching happening the same way yeah and it, it depends I, I see coaching moving a lot I, both of these helping professions have had a major change in public perception in the last five years right yeah. so that's a good thing because everyone we look at everyone we admire has at least one coach doesn't matter what industry they're in. It doesn't matter what mm. um, type of what profession they're in. Yeah. Everyone you look up to and admire people, you may follow their podcasts, you may admire their um, athletic prowess, you, you name it, they've got at least one coach. And that is one of the things they'll never tell you, right? There are all these people that are helping to make this one person look and think and do amazing things, right? So just, just think about any commercial, right? 
Mm-hmm. You there it's it's designed, it's intentionally designed to look casual and like you just happen to to you know happen across someone as they're at a restaurant and they're doing this thing and oh now you know a product placement, right? But that whole thing was staged by like 70 people for that one moment. And it took two or three oh, yeah. days, very intentionally done with a cast of people doing specific things from yeah. lighting to sound design to this. They- CGI. CGI. Everything is intentional, but we as entrepreneurs think we have to do it ourselves. We got to bootstrap it. We got to, if I don't do it myself, I'm cheating. Guess what? Everyone who's successful has a coach and it's not cheating. It's called leveling the playing field. It's called filling in the gaps. It's called bringing in accountability so I succeed more rapidly. And that's the difference. And the same thing with therapy. It's just helping you to think differently about your surroundings, right? Coaching, all of these elements are there and they're not just for the uber successful. They're for pretty much everyone who's trying to be successful. And I've seen that growth in my, my practice. I've seen it across, you know, just the internet. I've, when I talk to large organizations, they have coaching. Uh, They bring me into augment coaching and they sometimes bring me in as their de facto leadership development arm out at basically external. I, I have several clients that I'm just that all their leadership stuff. They just send them to me and we just, they say, Hey, David, we want to do this. It's like, okay, cool. We got you. So it is, it's not even optional anymore if you're trying to succeed because things are just moving so quickly. Yeah. And it always takes off the, I think sometimes we get those like horse blinders on us and a yeah. coach helps make sure you don't have that on. Like you're, you're fully aware. I think one of the good examples, I was listening to a podcast with Sean White, the snowboarder. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how when he was like 16 years old, he had his brother who was 22, I think become his assistant coach and his manager. So when he was going to all of these things and that time, all the snowboarders were wearing like the, like the big, uh, sweatshirts with like the monster logo on mm-hmm. it getting like very flashy and wearing those and his brother if he ever even tried that his brother this is slightly different but his coach would be like that's not you mm-hmm. and they would hold him accountable be like that's not you like you're you're sean white like you grow your hair long you don't keep it short you're not like you, you're not into these flashy things and that's where we were going to talk about goals i think that's where having a coach is if you set the goals out there with your coach with you, if I'm working with you, Dr. David, you're going to keep me accountable. You're going to be like, Hey, you said, this is what you wanted. Now, is it really what you want or are you changing or, you know? Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about using that Sean White example, what I heard was, this is our brand. This is who we are. This Mm -hmm. is what we represent. And that's fundamentally your organization's culture. That's when I, when I talk about culture, one of the ways I describe it is your internal brand because it's telling your people what they can expect when they work here. And it also goes external. So your clients know what they can expect when they work with you. So those are key elements in making sure your company grows because in one of the, also, like I said, invest in yourself. I'd say get courses, classes, all this, anything you can get your hands on to grow. I, I was um, speaking to another entrepreneur a couple of weeks ago and I said, you can't see it behind me, but at least one of these shelves is all sales books because that's the <laughs> yeah. hardest part of this. Asking people for money is just the hardest part. 
So just learn as much as you can and know that you'll still get a little uncomfortable when you have to give a dollar figure to somebody. I know I do. And I know what my value is. I know what my rates are. I know that, but it's still just years of programming that have told us that sales are this or the sales are that. But when you really understand it, nothing's getting done. You're always selling. You're just now asking people to pay for what you're selling instead mm -hmm. of just selling your idea or selling um, yourself as valued as an employee, all this good stuff, all sales. In this instance, you're just saying, hey, by the way, if you want me to work with you, this is going to be the price. So you got to get comfortable doing sales. If you haven't already. Yeah, that, that's key. If you don't make sales, if you don't make sales, you don't stay in business. It's really, there's a direct correlation. And it, it's, oh, and that's one of the things when I talk to people, especially when it comes to like marketing is there's so many people out there who have a horrible business, like horrible service, customer service, whatever mm -hmm. it is. And they are killing it at business. However, they're doing it, whether it's sales, you know, that story that they tell people and there, how many people do we know that should be doing great in business? Like they have excellent service, excellent, excellent customer service, excellent, excellent culture. And they can't even break even. Yeah. Yeah. That's and where a coach comes in hand. Yeah. I mean, and like, you, even in that, there's so many elements to account for, right? So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's every, every business is going to be different, but there are patterns you can pull out. There are mm -hmm. things you can, you can anticipate. And that's how you start to think about your business. Well, and that's how I had to think about coaching for a long time. I was like, I, in years, I was like, there's no way I can put this into one thing because every individual client, every country, every company, every, they're all snowflakes. They're all different. They're all unique. They're all this <laughs> until I realized with time, I was like, wait, no, I'm seeing the same things over and over in different industries. Because what I realized was I wasn't dealing with as much leadership problems as misunderstandings of human nature and how they play into leading people and that's the struggle most people have they never they forget they're just talking to other people whether you're selling something or whether you're doing marketing it's all just human to human at the end of the day that's all it is yep are, do you see any uh correlations or tendencies across industries that like qualities that potential leaders are lacking yeah today? um it depends on the level, right? So emerging leaders, pretty much they're always, they're often considered diamonds in the rough and it's something they've done, somebody they've impressed. They're like, okay, let's look at them as, you know, they're next up. Let's, let's put them in a program to get them moving ahead. Uh, when it comes to moving from middle management to senior management and senior management to the C-suite, one of the big things is strategic thinking right? How do you show up, right? Are you, can you handle larger teams? Can you work with other people? How are you working with peers and things along those lines? And where are you setting those goals and how are you achieving those goals? And can you motivate people to achieve those goals with you? Um, because the higher up you go, the less of the day-to-day -day you do, right? So it's fundamental that as you climb any ladder, whether it's a ladder you're making or a ladder you're, you hired into, you have to be able to see the bigger picture and help other people rally around it, even if they can't see it. So mm -hmm. your role is to get things done through people versus um, doing things yourself. So 
those are pattern communication problems, pretty much every level, because we just assume we we're good communicators and most of us are not. Um, <laughs> it's just true. Um, just understanding how to lead fundamentally at, at every level, because we live in a society in the U S where we are inundated with the belief that everyone's a leader, but we have, we're very, we're big on motivation, very low on definition. So we don't know what good leadership looks like. Um, some of the best leadership lessons I learned were from bad leaders. And mm. I realized it was more of a, it was more of a response to their poor leadership than an actual effort to become a better leader. And then even after I'd read all the books and I had done all the things I thought I was supposed to do, I was still struggling as a leader. And I, I tell this very transparently, it wasn't until I went back to do my doctorate and I really studied what leadership was, which most people just don't have the time to do. Mm -hmm. I, I studied it. I could see very clearly, oh, well, that's where I screwed up. Oh, now I understand why they didn't come along for that change. Oh, that's why the organizational culture took a hit. Right. I started to be and and also with all the people I've coached and all the experiences I've worked with through people and worked with people through, I can tell you that those are similar things across the board. So a lot of people assume that they are better leaders than they are. And I, case in point, one of the worst leaders I ever worked with had a library, probably a 600 square foot library in his basement with shelves looked like you know something you'd find at the library or library like a movie um, scene yeah yeah like and he he had all these leadership it was all leadership books and he was the worst leader in the world because he thought by owning the book or even having read the book which i i very strongly doubt he read most of them um and many of them were just pop leadership books they weren't like serious leadership it was more motivational stuff um but he thought he was a good leader because he had resources, but unfortunately those resources did not change his behavior. They didn't impact his behavior at all. So that's, I would say, spend time figuring out what kind of leader you wanna be, spend time working on your own leadership style because if you're only doing the things that you've seen before and trying not to do the other things that you saw were bad, that patchwork quilt approach to leadership doesn't always turn out the way we wish it would. And yeah, I've seen that and, time and time again. And then you become on un, unauthentic too. Like you have to have yourself, you have to be authentic. Yeah. You have to be adding all that to it. Otherwise it's eventually going to break down. You can only pretend for so long. Yeah. And that's why most people, leaders, they hit, they go about two or three steps deep into their options and by the third or fourth step they're just yelling because they don't have anything else there's nothing else back there they've run out of ideas and they find themselves stuck in a rut and they can't get out huh that's i'm gonna i can't wait to go back and rewatch all of this what what made you go into leadership like the first time? So like going really back into it, like what is the why? Like when you wake up in the morning, mm -hmm. when you hit those zigzags, when you hit those valleys, what is the purpose? Like what do you find your purpose is that moves you forward? Oh, you mean in doing Arrington coaching? You as Dr. And, David, yeah. just Oh, that's easy. So it's my family and creating generational wealth. 
So that's that's a no-brainer. My my family works with me. I'm happy to say I employ everybody, right? Oh, no. um, yeah, so, um, and it's not just, they're all bringing value, right? So a lot of things, video editor, you know, marketing, all that good stuff happens in-house right now, literally in this house, which is awesome. <laughs> um, but the, and, and we're growing, but that's the stuff that gets me going. That's what pushes me forward. That's what, now I'll be really clear. I can say that now, if you asked me five or six years ago, what kept me going, it was still them, but from a different perspective, because mm. I knew I couldn't eat if I didn't kill, right? So I only ate what I killed. And so then my focus was, if I don't do it, there's nobody to back me up. I got a house payment. I got mortgage. I got all this. I got grown folks, you know, concerns. So I have to solve that. I got to make that nut every month. I got to, I got to do that. That's what kept me going. It would wake me up at four in the morning. It would, um, it would keep me iterating and I wouldn't trade that. Now, granted, I like where I'm now, but I would, I wouldn't trade that hunger for anything. Cause I still have it. Now it's for different things. It's hitting different mm -hmm. goals, right? Cause once you get past that and then you get past the, I can breathe now. So that's good then you can get complacent right there if you don't have another goal in front of you. So that's why your goals keep maturing as you mature. Uh, but yeah, that that's what it is. It's about, it's, it's a hundred percent about um, my family and creating generational wealth. So even if my, my children don't want to run this business, it will yeah. be a business that will be good enough to sell, right. That, you know, someone else will come along and, and offer it and we'll be good. So there are many exit opportunities but that's what keeps me moving no i love that and then the fact is too i mean you're spending time with them mm -hmm. when we're all older and you look back you're gonna be like those moments where you they helped you build this mm -hmm. even if they don't go for it it's like they helped build it and bring it up and then you know and then i can only imagine wherever they end up going oh yeah how much they've learned doing this absolutely if they're talking to these leaders talking to all these people in different industries like you cannot ask for a better school. Yeah. And let me give you another reason. It's a little pettier and it's not as important anymore. <laughs> yeah. But based on my last experience, I every, every win I have, I weigh against what I used to make at a job where the president of the company told me, he basically said they have no confidence in my ability to do what I'm doing right now for them, right? No confidence in my ability to why would we ever give you more responsibility? Look at what you are, look where you're gonna, he, he gave me that line, right? And so after I, you know, let the tears flow and then was like, you know, let's suck it up, we're, we're moving on. I, 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 I fired myself that day because I said, I cannot stay here and be here for the next, you know, 20 some years in an organization that doesn't value me at all. Yeah. So I was like, cool, but now, I look back at if I hadn't left that, where would I, I'd still be there, bitter, angry, frustrated, all that good stuff. And now when I get, when I win big contracts, and I do big things. I always say, Hmm, I compare it to what I used to make with them. And <laughs> it, it always makes me feel good. It always makes me feel good. So I yeah, that's just human. Oh, absolutely. But some people will say, no, I never do. I'm like, I'm telling you, I do it. I, I will still, I will never stop doing it. 
because anyone that says no it's like i read the book with uh the dalai lama and desmond tutu mm -hmm. and they talked about how he i forget someone they're like are you always just happy are you always just like in that zen mode he's like no i get angry i get pissed off <laughs> i have my you know he's like he i'm human exactly and anyone that says no otherwise and it's like if it's coming from the dalai lama and desmond tutu like two of like i'm not very spiritual but two of the most spiritual people in the world if that's what you go for it's like two of the chillest everyone. guys on the planet <laughs> right yeah. if they're saying no i get ticked off then obviously it's just yeah but that's a whole different like i said that's a whole different oh yeah yeah that's more like the mindset yeah. yeah but then the thing is it's just i think uh when you again like when i mentioned like if you have a bad meeting take that mindset coaching of taking that step back mm -hmm. resetting it being okay that happened okay it's there bring different energy here and just being more aware of that the more you practice it the better it gets I always thought meditation and some of that stuff was like very woohoo, like, oh, no, it's good. Hippy. And I've been doing it every day. And every cent, there's a book with Dan Harris. I don't know. Have you heard of him? He used to be on the Today Show mm -mm, not or Good Morning America or something. And he had a meltdown on TV because he Yikes. was like drugs and some other stuff. But it happened on like live TV. Long nice. story short, he ended up deep path of meditation. Mm -hmm. And then he just realized that being able to just handle those emotions and those things just made him a better, not even a better worker and like leader in the news station, but just a better person. Exactly. And he was like, it made me 10, the book name of the book is 10% happier. And he's like, Oh yeah, you, I've seen that one. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen you that. get 10% on his catch line is like, if you make 10% on your, on your socks, on yeah. your, like, that's a good, what's a, if you can do that for your life and be 10% happier every year. Like who wouldn't want that return? Exactly. I don't, I can't think of anyone who wouldn't. <laughs> but um, so Dr. David, if anyone wanted to reach out to you, how can they find you? How do they um, learn more about your courses and what you do? Oh, so the best way to find me is at arringtoncoaching.com, A-R-R-I-N-G-T-O-N coaching.com. And you can poke around there. We have uh, leadership training. We have uh, full-on executive leadership certificate programs. Um, we have all the social proof you need there. I've been doing this for what, 17 years that I've been coaching and training 20 plus years training. Um, so yeah, they can, you can find me there. Occasionally I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn all the time. So reach out and find me on LinkedIn. Just say you heard me on impactful leaders and that'll get you right through. Cause I'll be very clear. I don't connect with everybody that tries to connect with me on LinkedIn. Another strategy. See, you know, you only get so many yeah. connections. So why connect with people who just want to talk to you about something else that may not be value added to yeah. your network? So, um, yeah, that that'd be another place to connect with me. Um, but yeah, yeah, and you can sign up for our our newsletter, our, our newsletter. There you go, our newsletter, uh, which is, oh, name just blanked. Hold on, it is intentional success. That's what it's called, intentional success. Thank you so much, David. I'm really happy we're able to do this. And I know I learned a lot. So, I mean, I can only imagine the people that you work with, the amount of value they got out of it. And I appreciate you for your time today. And appreciate thank you so it. Much. It's, been, it's been a lot of fun, man. We'll have to do it again. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you can tell. I can be a talker quite oh, no. a bit. So I love doing these things. It's outstanding. I appreciate it, man. It's a lot of fun. Thank you so much, David.